Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota, Mary Meyer, Professor Meyer. Good morning, Mary. Good to hear from you again. Oh, Denny, good morning. Another beautiful day for gardening. It really is, and I <laughs> I mentioned it really early this morning, that I don't think I have ever walked on my yard and heard it crunch as it's done this year. It, it What can we do about this? And by the way, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question and you know uh, that we tend to get busy here in the show, call or text at 651-461-9226. Try to help you out as soon as we can. 651-461-9226. Either call Mary or send Mary uh, your text. But getting back to the lawns, Mary, for one thing, what 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 can we do? Yes, it, it is hard to see our lawns go dormant and uh, turn brown. There are a couple of things. Well, most of our cool season grasses do go dormant in hot weather. Now, they can stay dormant for about four weeks. But if it gets beyond four weeks, that's really iffy with whether or not they're going to live. So uh, put, putting on water, doing putting on the water when your uh, city allows you to do uh, watering, that's, of course, um, an alternative. Another thing might be thinking about how much turf do you need in your lawn. If you don't need regular turf grass there for recreation or uh, for your personal preference, you should think about adding other things like white clover, some of the plants that pollinators like. Uh, clover has a much greater tolerance for drought, and you can actually see a lawn that has clover, and you'll see the green patches of clover and then the brown grass. So you can think about using something else on your lawn, but if your lawn has been dormant for four weeks, it's it's time to think about putting on water so you don't lose the whole, um, all the grass. I didn't think about asking you this, uh, Mary, but w what about uh, some of these prairie grasses? And I'm, I'm not sure that every neighbor, next door neighbor, would appreciate you growing wild grasses, but is that is that still a popular uh, idea? It is a popular idea, and the prairie grasses are warm season grasses, so they do fine with the heat. The issue is, of course, you don't cut these, and so this is a totally different look. Uh, I think most people have been successful with either putting up a sign and saying, you know, this is a pollinator garden or a natural garden for uh, prairie habitat, 
or um, you mow the edge of the prairie so that you have an edging showing that you are taking care of the area. And then, of course, again, there are the, the issues with city ordinances and site issues. If you have a property that people need to see for driving conditions, uh, you have to be careful about sight lines. But prairie grasses really will take the heat much better than our turf grasses. That's a thought. Let's uh, grab a phone call, Mary. I think Paul is first up here calling from Bloomington uh, this morning. Uh, Paul, thank you. What is your question for Mary? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mary, I have some roses, climbing roses on trellis, and one keeps climbing and climbing for the last two years, but never a bud. Is there such thing as just a rose bush going wild where you need to take them out? Wow, that's interesting, Paul. Uh, I would say um, two things. Um, If it isn't in full sun, it might not be getting enough sunlight. And then number two, before I took it out, I would try uh, supplemental fertilizer. So you could use liquid fertilizer that you put on, you know, through a hose end or just a watering can. Or you could use granular fertilizer that you put around the base of the the rose plant. Um, Normally, we think about putting on most of the fertilizer in the springtime. This is getting pretty late in the year to do uh, much fertilizer. But liquid fertilizer, you could go ahead and try that now, see if that makes a difference. Also, if there's much other competition there with other shrubs or other perennials that would be taking the nutrients, the the limiting factor might be uh, fertilizer. So I would try liquid fertilizer if it's not in full sun, uh, but the the sunlight is essential usually for getting quite a bit of bloom on roses. Okay. Texter says this, Mary, we have several annual plants on our deck that are very beautiful. Now, if we you put them in a sunny room over the winter and keep them watered, you think they'd stay alive till next year? Uh, it depends. Maybe yeah, look, it, it depends look in your what, crystal ball. Yeah. <laughs> it really depends on what kind of annuals they are. This will work with geraniums. Uh, it will not work very well with petunias. Uh, impatience, petunias, the small begonias, they don't do very well living forever. They kind of have a life cycle that for a few months they'll flower really well, and then they tend to, to peter out. But things that are more a perennial in nature, like uh, geraniums, uh, some of the begonias with great big leaves, they will live as houseplants uh, kind of indefinitely. So, you know, you can try it. If it's easy to move the containers and put them indoors and you have quite a bit of sun, see how it goes. They'll probably get leggy and long, and then they probably won't bloom very much. But, you know, for a month or two, they might be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Experiment a little. Uh Uh, Let's take a phone call uh, from Phyllis, who's calling in this morning from Star Prairie, I do believe. Phyllis, thanks for the call. What is your question for me? Let's take a phone call uh, from Phyllis, who's calling in this morning from Star Prairie, I do believe. Phyllis, thanks for the call. What is your question for Mary? Uh, Good morning. I have a relatively large area of grass on the south side of my home, but it doesn't get any sunlight because there's so many trees back there. Can you suggest a good ground cover that the grass just doesn't sustain? 
Good idea, Phyllis. Yes, when you have shady conditions like this, it is a good idea to go to uh, a ground cover. So there are several ground covers. I, I think the, the kind of most aggressive ground cover is lamium. Uh, lamium or dead nettle is, I have used that a lot in my property. It's so aggressive. It might be too aggressive for you. So if you go with something like the evergreen vinca, vinca minor or pachysandra, these are not natives. Well, lamium is not native either, but vinca or pachysandra, they are evergreen and they are not that aggressive. So they would, they're certainly something I'd look at. You could also think of doing um, some of our native uh, wild geraniums. Uh, there, there are several native wildflowers that can grow in conditions like this, but they don't usually get the... Um, rhizomes or stolons that make them make a big carpet. So lamium, very aggressive, but vinca or pachysandra, I would, would look at those. Uh, and most of these ground covers are available in garden centers in a, in a flat where you buy uh, quite a few plants and then space them uh, 6 to 12 inches apart, and then they gradually uh, take over the area. If it's too big an area, I would do it, you know, a section at a time that you put the ground cover in. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and invite our listeners to join in on our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in at 651-461-9226. Right now in the Twin Cities, we've hit 68 degrees on our way to 88, and maybe by Wednesday we could reach... 98 degrees. Stay with us here on News Talk 830. This is W. I think, yes, I think we're back. <laughs> are you with me, Mary? I yes, hope you I are. am. I oh, that's hear. good. If you're just joining us on our Smart Garden Show, Mary Meyer from the U of M is uh, answering your lawn and garden questions this morning, either by text, uh, text or phone, 651 651- Four six one nine two two six, and we have a bunch of both, Mary. I tell you what, let's do. I want to grab this text, then we'll grab a couple of phone calls. Um, you touched on it earlier, but this texter says, "What should my fertilizing schedule be for my yard for the rest of the summer? I last fertilized seven weeks ago." So this person says, "What should it be for my yard?" Yes. So, but I think they're probably talking mostly about their grass. Yes. When they say that it's for their lawn. So fall, we're coming right up to the best time to fertilize or renovate a lawn, and that is August fifteenth to September fifteenth, because it's been a little milder now for us in the fall for several years. You could maybe extend that to early October. But um, but the month, end of August, early September, ideal for fertilizing or seeding a lawn if you want to renovate it. So sometimes we do see people fertilize in the spring. And if you've got an elite grass or uh, premium Kentucky bluegrass, spring fertilization is good. But fall is really the best time for a lawn to build its roots and to really uh, grow without as much weed competition. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Jim is uh, first up here calling in from uh, St. Paul this morning. Jim, you're on CCO with Mary. Yes, thank you for taking my call. 
I've got a river birch in my backyard. <clears throat> it's about five years old. And now it keeps dropping yellow leaves all over my yard and stuff like that. And I was just wondering why it's doing this. Trees can do that, Jim, if they don't have enough capacity to keep all those leaves healthy. They will drop a portion of them. We see this often, kind of this time of year, especially if it's dry. There's just not enough food reserves to support all the foliage they hope they could support in the summer. So the leaves then fall off. These tend to be the older leaves or maybe the ones toward the inside of the tree. Uh, river birch is a great plant, a great uh, tree to have. We often recommend that for planting. Uh, I wish I had some river birch on my property. Uh, five years old, you know, we normally talk about the importance of watering trees when they're young. Uh, five years is when we think, well, they're they're hopefully established at that point. You don't have to water them. Um, if you don't have an irrigation system near it or you haven't watered it, watering it could be, um, it could help quite a bit. That's certainly an issue we have to think about with all of our plants, especially the new ones where we're in such dry conditions. Miss Dexter, Mary says they recently lost three ash and had hosta under them. It's been so hot, Texter says, I've been afraid to move them. How can I nurse them along until it cools down? I would say supplemental water would be helpful. Uh, the ash being gone, of course, the ash tree roots are not growing, but I would imagine those hosta look pretty uh, yellow from too much sun and, and some sunburn conditions. Hosta are really tough, and they have a large root system that looks kind of like our fingers. So they have the capacity to store quite a bit of uh, water and, and food energy in their roots. Um, and it's amazing. I have transplanted hosta pretty much any time of the year in the growing season, of course, and they have done okay. So if you want to move a few of them, I mean, it, I probably wouldn't do it this week because it's so going to be so hot. But once things cool down, yes, I would consider moving them um, because they can tolerate uh, transplanting pretty much any time. Pretty good. Back to the phones we go. Bob is calling in this morning, I believe, from Northfield. Bob, you are on CCO with uh, Mary. Yes. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I have a, a Waltham butternut squash plants that are just growing and growing and growing and you know, putting branches on branches on branches, but I only see two little bitty things about maybe one inch long at the end of two of the branches. There's no um, squash appearing. What Do I cut off some of these branches, or what do I do to try to get squash to come out. I wouldn't cut off any branches, Bob. Um, we'll just hope that it will still be able to set fruit. This is a frustrating thing, and actually there's an article up on the Yard Garden News about this. Um, it, uh, squashes, of course, have male and female flowers, and there has to be a transfer of pollen between the male and female flowers, and bees do this really well. We normally don't have to worry about this, but 
Weather conditions really affect the fruit sets, so they affect how many bees are out there pollinating. And then if we get really hot conditions, that affects what flowers actually come out on the plant. So we want a lot of female flowers because that will be the fruits and not so many males. But that doesn't always work with the temperature conditions. So... Uh, just keep your fingers crossed. Keep your plant well watered. I would not take off the, the tips of that. Uh, some people do that with squash, but I would not do that. I would let it let it flower, and hopefully you'll still get some uh, fruit set on there. All right, Mary. We're going to take a break. Have a look at that forecast. We'll continue with that Smart Garden Show, and Mary Meyer will be answering your lawn and garden questions for about another half hour or so. Uh, keep in mind the number is either good for your text question or a phone call, 651-461-9226. The weather's straight ahead here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Answering your lawn and garden questions this morning is Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. And Mary, as usual, we have callers and we have textures. But also a reminder, I don't think we mentioned it, uh, the first uh, segment of the show, that if you haven't checked it out yet, by all means, check out the University of Minnesota website. Give us more info on that, Mary. Yes, our website is extension.umn.edu, and then click on Yard and Garden, and there's a tremendous amount of information there. Timely information on a weekly basis on annuals, perennials, fruits, and vegetables. So our extension educators put up timely tips, depending on what they're seeing out in the field and in people's gardens and questions that come in. So just like Bob recently called us and talked about the fruit set on his squash. That's There's an article up there on weird things showing up with our vegetables and lack of uh, fruit on squash and failure to ripen on tomatoes. Tomatoes like it warm, but they don't like it really hot. So lots of information at extension.umn.edu. Yeah, great, great resource. Uh, here's our phone number. It's also our text number, 651-461-9226. Speaking of text, this listener says, I cannot grow root vegetables. What's a good loose soil mixture? Well, root vegetables do like sandier, loamier soils. So if you can do some deep tilling in your garden, um, that is helpful to loosen up the soil. Um, you, If you can add compost to heavy clay soils, that organic matter will help loosen it up. So I would recommend tilling it and incorporating organic matter into your soil. Uh, sand in and of itself is pretty difficult to incorporate into soil. Uh, but uh, compost, organic matter is uh, is be- the better way to go. All right. Let's uh, take a phone call from Joyce, who was calling in, I believe, this morning from Gaylord. Uh, Joyce, thanks for calling. What's your question for Mary? Yes, Mary, good morning. We have a river birch also that we planted about three years ago, but the leaves are always yellow. And not just in the fall, they're just yellow. The tree's very healthy. Is it something we can give it to turn its leaves green? 
That's probably due to a lack of iron, Joyce. So we do see that uh, less iron is available in the high pH soils. So the alkaline soils that we tend to have, now you're in Gaylord, but that's still, yeah, the southern half of the state. Unless you're up in the Arrowhead, uh, we don't have many acidic soils. And in acidic conditions, iron tends to be more available to plants. So I would look for a fertilizer that has iron in it. It might say chelated iron. Uh, some of these are granular products. You can actually find them sometimes in lawn fertilizers. Um, liquid iron is not as uh, common a product, but uh, the, so it's probably going to be a granular fertilizer, which um, which is fine anyway. So I would do that. I would look for iron uh, available in uh, a fertilizer. Now, of course, it's always a great idea to have a soil test taken, um, and that tells you what nutrients are available. But soil tests, the traditional ones, are not going to measure iron. They will tell you what your pH is, and because most pH runs around 7 for our state, that's where we get into problems with availability of iron. So that that is my guess. Now, the tree can actually go on for a while like this. As you say, it looks healthy, it's growing. We do tend to see this, though, uh, in, in birch trees. They tend to have uh, more many times more yellow uh, lack of iron this texter mary says my clematis has been healthy until about a week ago then the top three quarters of the leaves have turned brown but the bottom is still healthy did i overwater or is it something else what should i do to make sure it survives it, it could be overwatering. There are a couple of disease issues. Uh, the clematis wilt that comes in, it can kill a whole vine. But because the base of your vine is okay, I, that doesn't sound like it's wilt. Usually the wilt will take the whole plant out. So if the base is healthy, I, I think that's a good sign. Uh, you want to look closely to make sure there isn't some type of a borer or insect problem that may have gotten into some of the stems and cut them off or something like a dreaded rabbit that got up there and, and ate your clematis. Normally we think of rabbits going for the bottom of a plant rather than the top, but I would do some inspection on the uh, stems to make sure that you don't see another insect problem. Um, as far as watering goes, it is important to water our plants, but um, try to do some checking uh, and digging around in the soil itself and feeling how dry it is before you do the watering. So an inch of water once a week is still uh, a good recommendation. Okay. This texter says, uh, Mary, our walnut tree has lots of dead branches. Uh, question one, would, what would be causing this? And two, when can a walnut tree be trimmed? Yeah, we do tend to see dead branches in, in walnut trees. So, you know, many trees will do this if they don't have enough shade. So sometimes the inner branches are ones that are uh, on the bottom of the tree that really don't have much shade. Um, if there's no foliage, on the branches, you can cut them off almost any time because they, they actually might be, if they are dead, removing dead branches any time isn't a problem. This is not the best time of year to start doing major pruning on trees. We get into um, 
the fall and pruning can stimulate growth. So if they're dead, I'd take them off now. Anything else, I'd wait till the tree is totally dormant. Okay. If you're just joining us, Mary Meyer from the U of M answering your lawn and garden questions here on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, Here's one for you, Mary. My onion tops have tipped over but are still green. Should they be harvested now or wait until they're yellow? I don't want them to rot in the ground. I would wait a little bit longer. They do have a tendency to fall over, but if you wait longer, uh, all the nutrients will go from the tops down into the bottom. Now, and you you could do them a little bit of harvest at a time. You could do that as well. Uh, unless you're really putting on a lot or, you know, a lot of water. We are we're in such a drought condition for most of the, uh, the central uh, Minnesota that um, I, I think they'll probably be fine. As long as the tops are green, there's still some growth in there and they're not going to start start rotting. Okay. This listener has a red twig dogwood, and they notice that some of the branches are turning gray. Many of the leaves are turning yellow and falling. Any help would be great. Love the show. Thank you. Yes, here again, I think it's a a matter of stress due to uh, weather conditions. Sometimes extreme heat will cause this. Uh, or the lack of water. So when, you know, trees, plants put out a huge amount of energy to get those leaves out there because that is their, that is their life to get the leaves photosynthesizing. And then if they don't have enough water to support all those leaves, some will drop. So as long as it's a third or Less, I wouldn't worry about it, especially this time of year. Okay. Uh, this texter says this, Mary, uh, they have 12 tomato plants with very few tomatoes this year. They've always had lots in the past years. Do you think it's too hot this year or what's going on? Yes, heat can really affect the fruit set and then ripening on tomatoes. And heat affects the, the bees. Uh, bees like tomatoes and will come in and do what's called buzz pollinating on the tomatoes, but they're not 100% required. Uh, tomatoes tend to be self-fruitful. Uh, but yeah, it's, I would say it's the heat. The only other thing would be lack of sun or an imbalance in your fertilizer, so you have too much nitrogen fertilizer. Fertilizer is unlikely. You can try a liquid feed on it, but it's It's got to, they've got to be in full sun. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here's another text that says, in, in fact, you had talked about it earlier today. Uh, this texter wants to know, how can I change my lawn from grass to white clover? You can overseed white clover. Uh, gosh, I, I'm thinking now, have I ever done this in late August, late July, early August? Uh, we, we normally think of doing it in the spring or you do it in the fall. You can do a dormant seeding. Uh, the limiting thing right now with getting any seed to germinate on a lawn is going to be water. So if you have bare spots on your lawn and put down the uh, clover seed now, if you water it for a couple of weeks, you could get some germination right now. Uh, that's all. It's kind of risky. I would say the better a better time to do it is dormant seed. Wait until November, put the seed down, or do it uh, next spring. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Mary, we're going to take a quick break here. Just a reminder, we have a few minutes uh, to go in the show. 651-461-9226. We'll grab as many uh, questions as we can here before Mary takes her leave. A a reminder, coming along after the 9 o'clock news break, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis from Lindis Construction. Our home improvement show follows the news in the 9 o'clock hour. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Denny Long here, back with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering your lawn and garden questions on our Smart Garden Show. And Mary, you know what we didn't mention so far, or yet, is getting out to the uh, Arboretum, or the Arb as we call it now. I think Mary's still there. Maybe she's not. Well, while we're <laughs> while we're knocking on Mary's door again, see if we can't get her back. Uh, here is our phone number. It also happens to be our text number. This is for all of our shows, by the way. And I mentioned that Andy Lindis will be with us uh, next hour. If you have any kind of a uh, home improvement show uh, question, uh, by all means, keep those in mind. 651-461-9226. Is that Mary I hear in the background? No, it's not. Okay, then. Well, I think for some particular reason, we've uh, technically lost lost Mary. Got a couple of questions for her from uh, from our listeners, but we uh, again I brought up the arboretum. If you have not uh, been there, uh, it really is um, a great pla- a great place to visit family and friends, especially during this time of year. Are you with us, Mary? I don't hear her. Mary, Mary, come in, Mary. Sing. There you are. There you yes, are. Here I am. I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, we uh, we had a little glitch in the system, but I'm glad you're back. Uh, we've got uh, bu- so many, as you probably are aware of, Mary, uh, que- uh, questions before the end of the show. But I, I mentioned the Arboretum, and I really urge people to get out there. It is Once you do, you'll see what we've been telling you about, right? And it's a very easy place to find, right, Mary? Very easy to find. It's just west on Highway 5. You do need reservations, but every half hour there are several hundred reservations that open up. So it's a great place to walk around. Uh, There's so many things blooming now. Uh, Roses. Wow, the annuals are really at their peak, and it's the bright colors, lots of yellow, red, very bright annuals. They're beautiful to see. Things are blooming in the prairie. That's a wonderful uh, place to take a walk through the prairie. But yeah, great time to visit the Arboretum. Tomorrow there's yoga and there's special concerts on Sunday. So yeah, the Arboretum is always a fun place to visit. Really is. Family and friends alike. So check it out. Uh, This uh, texter, Mary, says, when and how should I separate my calla lily? Calla lily. Wow. When and how. So calla lilies are not uh, hardy outside, so they have to come in. I would do that in early spring. Um, And then I would just take a knife and separate them as they're starting to grow in the springtime. So we do have a publication online about uh, storing tender bulbs like a calla lily is. 
Um, so you could check that out at the extension.umn.edu website, but it should be fairly easy. I would just divide it into maybe two, three pieces uh, with some eyes or where the growing points are, and I'd wait to do that in early spring. Okay. Uh, this listener, Mary, says, I have rose bushes that need to be planted in the yard. It sounds like the heat is going to be around for a while. Would it be okay to plant today or uh, wait for cooler weather? And how late can I wait before it's too late so that it would be okay to get established before winter? We like to have a, a month of normal growing conditions to help establish plants before it goes into the winter. So you have plenty of time from that uh, standpoint. But I would go ahead and plant them. Uh, there's actually a danger that they would get too dry in a container rather than in the soil because a container above ground, you've got to be watering that almost every day. So I would uh, dig the hole and water it well where you're going to plant them, then put the rose in and water it well again. You will need to pay attention to watering them after they're in the ground, but I would go ahead and do that now. Okay. This listener said that we started a a new garden last year. This year it is a jungle. (laughs) Many weeds and grass growing in it. Boy, that's true. Uh, What are the best ways, they want to know, to keep weeds and grass from growing in a garden other than picking, which we do, they say. Certain fertilizer, weed killers, what do you think? I think one of the best ways is really using mulches. So if you can can get the uh, with the when the ground is free of weeds, then put down a mulch. So if it's wood chips, if it's grass clippings, if it's straw, uh, the organic mulches are really good. If you don't have uh, access to that, even something like cardboard will work. As long as there are no weeds actively growing, putting down cardboard. Uh, sometimes I've used uh, uh, black plastic or landscape fabric. That really seems to be the the uh, best ways. Cover up the ground with a mulch. A couple of minutes to go on the show, Mary. Uh, here's one. It says, when is it, good question, too late to plant trees and shrubs? It's not too late to plant uh, trees and shrubs. The limiting factor right now is going to be water. And then uh, so watering them and uh, paying attention to that to try the goal is one week, one inch per week of water. And then uh, as long as they have a good month before we get to really cold temperatures when plants quit growing. Uh, so, you know, you can you can plant pretty much through mid-September. Uh, But right now, the limiting thing is making sure the plants are well watered once you put them out. Mary, we've got about a minute to go. Maybe in that minute's time, can you explain how folks can send us, get a soil sample from the U of M? Yes, the directions are online, of course, but you can uh, order a bag to uh, put your sample in, so pay for it in advance. Or you can follow the directions uh, that are online. You go, you take many samples. You put uh, six to ten samples uh, from the area that you want to test from, and you mix the soil together. And you try to get the mineral soil that is in that that is there, not plant roots and not pieces of bark or other organic matter. Try to get the actual soil. 
you mix that up and then you can mail it or uh, drop it off over in St. Paul is where the uh, soil test uh, lab yeah. is. So, yes, it's a great idea if you haven't done it. It really gives you an insight as to what you've got for soil. Absolutely. Mary, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your help, your expertise today, and I know we'll be talking soon. Yes, I look forward to talking again about gardening. Thank you, Benny. Thank you. Mary Meyer, Professor Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. She'll be back. And, of course, we're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour answering your lawn and garden questions. Coming up next hour here on CCO, Andy Lindis will be answering your home improvement type of questions. So keep those in mind, and uh, we'll open up the lines for your calls and text messages. Uh, in the Twin Cities, we expect highs of 88 degrees today, maybe 98 Wednesday. Right now, 68. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 